0: A constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor, and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump. Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections, and she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis.
1: Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I am Jenna Ellis, and lots to talk about today. And before we get to the top headlines of the day and all of the uh, great things we talk about on this program, I also want to talk about my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Uh, Legacy Precious Metals is a company that you can trust to give you good and patient counsel for your personal situation, for your uh, protecting your finances and retirements. When times are turbulent, you need an asset that protects you. And that's why I believe in investing in gold and trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Call them today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or you can visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. All right. Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and today is Wednesday, November 3rd, and that means that an amazing movie is in theaters today nationwide. It's called The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. And I am so privileged today to have my good friend, Max McLean, who I've been following on uh, Facebook for a really long time. I actually got to meet him finally with our good friend, Eric Metaxas, um, up in New York a couple of weeks ago. And Max, thanks so much for joining me on the program today.
2: Well, thank you, Jenna. Thank you very much.
1: uh, So you have a remarkable uh, likeness to C.S. Lewis, but even more importantly, um, you share his heart and his understanding of his amazing life and journey. He's impacted um, so many people, myself included. Um, Mere Christianity is one of my absolute favorite books. It taught me so much about the interaction of um, moral law with the truth of reality to uh, which God has presented us. Um, it's it's absolutely one of my favorite books that I read at least annually. And this particular movie, um, you go through his life uh, where you know, he started as an atheist and, mm-hmm. and ultimately was converted to Christianity, found uh, truth through friends like J.R.R. Tolkien. And um, just talk about what made you want to initially um, get into displaying C.S. Lewis and his life and ultimately what led to this amazing film.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I'm an adult convert to Christianity and and uh, one of the uh, uh, in my twenties, and uh, at at that particular time, I'd read the New Testament. I'd read uh, Dostoevsky's *The Brothers Karamazov*. I was I saw the film uh, *Man for All Seasons* uh, a couple of times, and those had very profound impact uh, profound impact on me. Uh, and uh, and when I came to Christ, uh, somebody said, "You you need to read C.S. Lewis." So they gave me a copy of Surprise by Joy, his auto, his memoirs, about his the shape of his early life, his uh, uh, his road from uh, atheism to to first belief in God, then Christ. Um, and I read it, and it went by, by me like a freight train. I, I didn't understand a word of it. I knew he was smart, but he was way over my head. So they gave me this other book, uh, The Screwtape Letters. And page one, I said, oh, I know this guy. You know, the man in the British Museum, those who know the, the book. Uh, I said, this guy's been in my life for a long time. Um, and so Lewis really captured me, captured my imagination, particularly in the area of spiritual warfare, with uh, the screw tape letters. Uh, many years later, when we were already uh, our, our uh, company fellowship for performing arts, we produced theater, from a Christian worldview meant to engage a diverse mm-hmm. audience, uh, we were doing our work, and a theater professor at Drew University saw one of our shows and r- recommended Screw Tape. And uh, I didn't see it as theatrical literature, but um, he had an idea how to do it, and I said, "Well, if we can get the rights to um, to the uh, from the estate, we'll have a go." And we did. This is about fifteen twenty years ago, and. And Lewis has been deep in my life ever since. Uh, we've done screw tape letters. We've done The Great Divorce. And now uh, the most reluctant convert. First, all those on stage, this one on stage, and now on film.
1: Mm. And that's an amazing personal testimony that you have as well. And and so obviously C.S. Lewis has also impacted you. Uh, what do you think, you know, living with um, his Personality and actually uh, playing him on stage and now in film. uh, What do you think is is the most um, critical aspect of him that resonates with so many people through his writing?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, the depth of his writing comes from you you know the depth of his doubt. Uh, You know, he was a hard boiled atheist, a vigorous debunker of Christianity, probably on the level of Christopher Hitchens, Uh, and he had those kind of rhetorical gifts. Uh, and so the long, slow process back, I mean, his, his, uh, the depth of his atheism was that, you know, he, he lost his mother to cancer when she, when he was nine, prayed for her to come back because he grew up in the church. Uh, God didn't answer his prayers, So he assumed prayer doesn't work, uh, had a terrible relation with his dad, uh, that he regretted to the end of his life, uh, was in the butchery of world war one, which, uh, he called the hell where youth and laughter go, only to see horribly smashed men still moving about like crushed beetles. So given the, the, that he had a very pessimistic view of, of what life is, that life doesn't work, so he came to the conclusion either there's no God behind the universe, a God who's indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. So that was the depth. And then from there, uh, to come out of that, uh through the through the uh, relationship he had with friends but but as well as both morally and philosophically, he dealt with really profound uh arguments that brought him out of his uh atheism toward first uh a belief in God of the philosophers, which he thought was the best explanation for reality you know as a philosopher. Then more to the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses coming out of the burning bush. He said his religion was like that of the Jews. Uh, And that's the one that the very famous line, I gave in and admitted that God was God, knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England, a very famous line from which our play uh, and our film takes its title, to later to full or belief in Jesus Christ, which was a very uh, significant and different step than belief in God.
1: Hmm. And that um, that dynamic, as you've just articulated, I think resonates with so many people who have felt the frustration of the human condition, the fallen nature of man, and the frustration of feeling like either God doesn't hear our prayers, or he hasn't answered them, or because of the problem of evil, um, therefore it must be, a, as you articulated what Lewis thought, either God is indifferent or he himself is is evil. And to wrestle with those concepts, um, I truly wish that the church, uh, as a wide swath, was more directly answering Uh, those questions like Lewis did and like his writing does, because those are the sincere questions that all of us have to answer. And, you know, he wrote a piece as well called The Efficacy of Prayer. And it's a it's a very just short um, contemplation, you know, just a few pages. And that was actually one, Max, that um, I love of his writings. It's just a really short essay. Yeah, I do,
2: too. In fact, we're going to include it in our next play. Oh, uh, you're th- You're actually the only person I've ever met that's actually publicly spoken of it. So I'm really impressed.
1: Oh, thank. You. <laughs> well, that means a lot to me, coming uh, from you. And it's just, I love Lewis so much, and I'm so excited to watch this film. Um, I love your portrayal of him. But uh, that that piece that it's it's a really short essay, and how he describes our interaction with. Uh, with God, in terms of what is commanded in the Bible and how prayer actually does affect um, the sovereign nature of God, in the sense of how He chooses to interact with um, with humanity, uh, to me was a really great explanation of prayer in a way um, that I personally had struggled with in my own life and um, my own prayer life. Because, you know, when we as Christians are are praying and we're obviously bringing our requests to the Lord as the Bible commands. But we also, a lot of times, you know, see that prayers either aren't answered, God says, wait, or they're answered in a way that we didn't anticipate. Then we think in our own limited sphere, well, was I effectual at all? And that particular essay, um, I would love to, to know your thoughts on it obviously as well. And And I think it's, Amazing that you're going to take this and actually put it into the next play because I think so many people should read it Um, because to me it changed my thinking on, um, on how scripture reveals why we are called to pray.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, there's so much there to, to, to unpack. Uh, the essay is can be found in a. It probably can be found online. Just called the efficacy of prayer, but in book form, it's in the world's last night. A series of of essays, and the world's last night is also a wonderful essay. And uh, he ends that with uh, he uh, he says that uh, uh, that petitionary prayer is is you know is not the beginning of prayer. It's sort of the end of prayer. Uh, but the key thing is that so little of our lives uh, are, are uh, under God's control and so much of our lives is under the enemy's control and prayer is given to take new ground every day. Um, and uh, he also called prayer divine abdication that he prefers to do things slowly and blunderingly, which he could do if he wanted to in the blink of an eye, uh, you know, blund- slowly and blunderingly with our help. Uh so there's a tremendous and of course in screw tape, you know, we're always thinking about prayers as well, prayer doesn't uh, if 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 we answer if we get the prayer we asked for, then we would have seen some of the causes that led up to it, so it would have happened anyway. Uh <laughs> and, and of course uh, uh and if it and if it didn't happen then of course prayer doesn't work. And that you know, that's what the, the devil uses to to lead us to the nefarious conclusion that uh uh, that all this prayer sort of thing just can't be true. So there's, you know, there's, it's all about a uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, and uh, I highly recommend that essay. And I think when we do our next play, it's called Further Up, Fur- Further In, which is a continuation of, you know, the, the film that we're doing, uh, it starts from uh, when he was a boy and the long journey to Christ, which ended when he was 32 years old, Christmas Communion, but it wasn't obvious that Lewis would become the the kind of person that the Lord intended him to to be. You know, uh, the Lord had a plan for Lewis, like He has plans for each of us, and He gifts us uh, in special ways uh, and expects us, intends and expects us to to use those gifts for the ways that uh, that He wanted. And uh, Lewis really did. Uh, as Walter Hooper called him, he was the most converted man he'd ever met, uh, because he just transformed his, his the direction of his life in, and and uh, and used this this extraordinary intellect. You know, he had a steel trap mind that you know he read everything from the Greeks to the moderns, had a steel trap mind that that would uh, 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 would remember it all, and then he he had this magn- uh, this this extraordinary ability to. To translate it to articulate it into magnificent prose and speech, and he he did all of that under under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and from a Christian perspective and so we we owe so much to him and so I wanted to tell that part of the story and and but it was too much to tell in one play, so we, we were going to do it in in two uh, but one thing I did want to say a, a little bit in terms of I talked about his atheism. But one of the things that brought him back, and it's really important, is, you know, when when you hear uh, anyone, uh, unbelievers, you know, talk about their complaints about Christianity, you know, uh, it's too good to be true, or they're complaining about the income of bishops or the Spanish Inquisition, it's never about the truth or the falsehood of Christianity. It's usually about some side thing. And Lewis says, you always have to bring it back to whether or not Christianity is true. Uh, if it's untrue, no honest person will want to believe it. If it is true, every honest person will want to believe it. It all hinges on who is this, uh, uh, the recorded acts and sayings of Jesus. If his statements are false, Christianity is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. One thing it cannot be is moderately important. And, uh, and so it's, it's really important. I think the play helps us because it's, it's, we always have to ask the question, compared to What? Uh, you know, what is the alternative world picture? Like Lewis says that my argument against atheism is that the world was so cruel and unjust. Well, where do you get this notion of cruel and unjust? Right. You call a line crooked because you have some idea of a straight line. What are you comparing this universe with when you call it cruel and unjust? Uh, he says the same thing about the problem of pain. There, uh, Christianity creates the problem of pain. It doesn't solve it. It creates it. Because unless you have the unless you have real assurance that ultimate reality is just and righteous and good, then you have then you can say, well, why do I have this problem of pain? Because in an arbitrary, capricious universe, pain is just a random accident of of atoms colliding in skulls. You know, that was a card you were dealt, just deal with it.
1: Right, and that's, that was something that he also um, furthered my thinking on as well in, in terms of the arbitrary nature of what postmodernism asks us to subscribe to in our culture, that there is no rational, objective standard. It's just whatever my reality is versus your reality. But then if we're not comparing and we don't have any relationship orientation, we're not – there aren't two points that actually have um, – a, a relationship with each other, and so you can't do that compare and contrast as opposed to what, which is a central question, then we don't have a standard at all. And so, when we all, of course, are within rational reality, we can't escape that. We all have this sense of moral truth, and we know from the Word of God that the, the Word of God and truth is written on our hearts. We have that objective standard. We all understand. There is a problem of pain. There is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil, and if we make that entirely arbitrary and subjective, then we can never come to a rational solution because everyone's definitions are going to be totally different. And so, I I
2: think that's a big, and that's actually Lewis's first jump that he had to give up the absurd notion that that uh, that uh, uh, this universe is an arbitrary alternative to nothingness, because that's what uh, the alternative point of view really asks us to do. And since that's an un- unacceptable answer, then we make up all kinds of, of other answers that are just as much of a faith p- proposition as anything else. Uh, but one of the things that, that this touches on, and, and, and Lewis, uh, the movement of of consciousness and, and, and the ability to trust the rationality of our own minds uh, you know, if if if, if our uh, lot reason and logic, do they deliver absolute truth? Uh, if you say yes, then you have to ask, you say why? Uh, are moral and aesthetic judgments valid, meaningful? If you say yes to these things, then there has to be some objective reality to uh, that. The mind is ultimate reality has to be somehow in intelligent. Uh, and what our culture has done. And, and and it's understandable, and it's why it's such a challenge, is that we've given up, no, we we've, we've exchanged freedom, the ability to do whatever we want, to think what we want in the short term in exchange for purpose and meaning. We're willing to give up purpose and meaning in exchange for some short-term reality. Uh, Lewis was once asked, uh, what what religion gives its followers the greatest happiness? And he answered, well, the religion of worshipping one's self is the best while it lasts. I did not go into religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port could do that. Uh, You know, and so that's kind of what we've done. We've chosen this arbitrary short-term happiness, which is never happy in the long term, Mm -hmm. in exchange for reality, for purpose, for meaning.
1: And we're seeing the effects of that in our culture today and in how they say politics is downstream from culture. And if we have this arbitrary view that man is the chief God and man, Mm -hmm. man's collective judgment can determine reality and moral truth on a subjective scale. That's how we've gotten to the point in society where we have such immoral laws and we have such coercion by the government that doesn't recognize the truth of God, our creator and sees, and we can only get to American government and these ideals through as Lewis articulated this rational relationship when our founders first said that our rights come from god our creator and and we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal they're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights that established exactly what lewis was talking about that we only understand our rights in america because of our identity contrasted to God, that we are made in his image. Mm -hmm. And to me, the understanding of American government and the sole purpose of government, reading Lewis, to me, was the key that unlocked that. And part of um, what I write in my book, and actually quote Lewis extensively, um, Max, in my book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, um, reading mere Christianity, reading screw tape letters, reading the efficacy of prayer and saying this isn't just for petitioning God uh, for what we want, but um, actually understanding that we are supposed to grow in our knowledge of that relationship with him and that my identity as contrasted to the person that embodies truth. That unlocked to me um, the, the key of understanding the role of government in how the Bible actually describes it. And I'm really, really looking forward um, to this movie. I love your work on Lewis because you bring him to life. And um, to me, I think everyone should read Lewis's writings and his life and this story that um, you're going to tell through The Most Reluctant Convert, this movie. I hope everyone, it comes out today. I hope that everyone goes and sees this. Um, is that Lewis is battling the very, or was, you know, battling the very same questions that all of us ultimately have to answer. And he did so in a way that was rational, not just based on blind trust, but based on squarely facing logical inferences and recognizing and being willing to confront reality. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think is so powerful, um, with, with his story. And in just, um, the last couple of minutes I have with you, um, Max McLean, um, tell people you know where they can find this movie how they can um continue to support your work and um anything else that you want to close with sure on well the I, i'm very grateful to, C.S. Lewis. yeah
2: thank you i'm very grateful that you've had me on your program uh the more information go to cslewismovie.com. movie.com cslewismovie.com it was originally scheduled for select uh Theaters in select cities for November third, but uh, tickets have gone really well, which I'm grateful for. Uh, It's it's been extended uh, into Canada and the United Kingdom, and it's running through Sunday, uh, November seventh. And and, then we just got word today that uh, uh, the major cinema chains in America, uh, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, have uh, decided to extend it all the way to November eighteenth. So people, your your listeners will have. Uh, a lot of opportunities to see it, and thank you for your endorsement of C.S. Lewis. He, he needs to be read and seen uh, uh, widely, and uh, I encourage folks to go uh, to cslewismovie.com.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me here and go to cslewismovie.com. I hope everyone sees it and um, would love to have you back on, Max, after I get a chance to see it and talk with you more. And again, thank you so much for your work and your faithful testimony um, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And I so love and appreciate your work.
2: Thank you, Jen. I'd love to come back